don't think I need to give a long explanation about the background of this text. This parable is so well known that even non-church folk know what it means to be a good Samaritan. But just to make sure, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. For a Jew to refer to a Samaritan as good would be the equivalent of referring to someone as a good Nazi or a good rapist. Or in light of this week's events, referring to someone as the good immigrant. Or in some international circles, maybe even the good American. Actually, nowhere in this text does it ever say that the Samaritan is good. That's just the title of the story. Just how did you decide on this title anyway? What makes a Samaritan good? Were there bad Samaritans? Actually, at the time of Jesus, most, if not all, Samaritans were considered bad. So it's kind of a moot point. Was a Samaritan good because he actually saw the guy in the ditch? That could be. After all, this is the main theme in Luke. Jesus sees whom others overlook, and Jesus asks us to see those we might easily pass by. Was the Samaritan good because he was moved with pity? Was the Samaritan good because he went to the beaten man and bandaged his wounds? Was the Samaritan good because before bandaging his, the left-for-dead man's wounds, he poured oil and wine on them? Was the Samaritan good because he put the ditch guy on his very own animal? Was the Samaritan good because he brought him to an inn and took care of him? Was the Samaritan good because the next day he took out two denarii, the equivalent of two paydays, and gave it to the innkeeper and said, please take care of him? Was the Samaritan good because he said, you know, when I get back, I will repay you whatever more you spend? It's critical to remember that this entire parable got started because of one question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an interesting question and one that seems to focus on the ending instead of the journey. It is clear that the lawyer knows his scriptures. He answers his own initial question. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And perhaps it's a vocational hazard, but the lawyer needs to clarify the language. Who is my neighbor? He wants to know who qualifies as the neighbor. 
Frankly, this story reminds me that when I was a kid and had to clean my room. And my goal was just to do enough to pass the parental inspection. I wasn't concerned about doing a good job or a complete job, just enough to get by to get on with my life. The lawyer wants to know how far does he really have to go because he just plans to do the minimum. Who is your neighbor? Well, it's people just like you and I. But it's also the one you can't even imagine being near to. The one you can't stand. The one who makes you sick. The one who makes you hurt. The one who makes you angry. The one who has lied to you. The one you fear. The one that frustrates you. And what does it mean to love them as ourselves? I was thinking this week, how much do we really love ourselves? Because it's an interesting question. Because we live in a world where I wonder how much love do we really have for ourselves? When we measure our success by what our neighbor has, when we seek our self-worth through the purchasing of things and clothes and fancy cars and a bigger house, and when we live in a society where we are so addicted to social media that we seek validation through selfies and likes and shares, it seems that loving ourselves is much more self-centered and selfish. To love our neighbor as ourselves. How do we turn outward instead of inward? And the challenge How do we care for our neighbor when our own lives are falling apart? How do we extend love and compassion when some of us are just trying to get through our own days of cancer treatments and addictions and family despair and paying the bills and troubled marriages and broken hearts and the loss of children and friends? How are we supposed to love our neighbor when our neighbor may actually be a crappy person? How are we supposed to love our neighbor when we don't see eye to eye on issues that fundamentally share that we approach life differently? I don't know. But I know it's not with violence or unkind words or closing our ears and our hearts. I do believe it is with small steps and mumbled prayers and turning outward instead of inward. What if the Samaritan was good because he simply made a choice to come near the almost dead man in a ditch? He was good because he approached him. Because he decreased the distance between him 
and the man that was so clearly in need of help. It's been a really tense week. The zero tolerance family separation policy has come to a head this week. When we see thousands of immigrant children forcibly separated from their parents and living in cages. And while the issue of immigration is deeply complex, the realities of what we've been seeing this week are deeply troubling. The decisions to separate families burdens our own system. Parents have no idea where their children are located. There is no process of actually reuniting children and parents. And all the while realizing that private contractors are profiting from this abuse and heartache. Do we need reminding that in the Gospel of Matthew, after the Magi's visit and learning that King Herod intended to kill all the infants in the area, that Joseph had a dream where an angel appeared to him and told him to flee Egypt? And so he did with Mary and with his infant son, Jesus, and they fled and they were spared. And they were aliens in a foreign land. All week as I have sat with this text, I kept imagining the man in the story as the immigrant child ripped apart from mothers and fathers and left alone. I imagined the man in the story in the ditch being the parents of these children beaten from a long journey of running for their lives and collapsed in fear and grief at the thought of not knowing where their children are. I imagine the man in the story in the ditch being us, private citizens of a country that we call home. And the words of my colleague, Reverend Jarrett Banks, who says, we have been robbed Robbed of pride and dignity, robbed of trust and hope, and robbed of peace and security. We have been beaten by confusion and despair, and we are bleeding. We are bleeding tears, and bleeding fear, and bleeding anger. Can we see the different characters? In our story? Can we have empathy for those, the narrative in the narrative of our biblical story, as well as the narrative in our own lives? We are the injured man. So are those children, and so are those parents. 
But we are also the Samaritan, capable of doing good. We're actually all of these things because we are complex beings. We are both the robber and the priest, the Levite and the lawyer. We are both us and the alien seeking safety. We are both these things because we are connected to each other. Because we are all children of God. We are community and our liberation, our freedom is all tied to each other. We are all neighbors. Let us remember that. Let us remember that we are also like Jesus, capable of cultivating the Christ within us, capable of being light in darkness, capable of love showing the way even in the darkest of times. May we seek light even in the midst of darkness. Dear Lord, deliver us. Amen.